0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of Discover Podcasting. I am Patrick, the host for today's episode, and with me, I have my co-host, Rich. Hi. Hi. And um, today for the podcast, we have Ed Summers. Um, Would you mind introducing yourself?
1: Sure, you bet. Uh, Patrick, Rich, it's great to be with you. Thanks for inviting me on the podcast. Um, Thanks for being on the show. You bet. Uh, so, uh, my name is Ed Summers. I am a computer scientist. I am also blind, almost totally blind. I have a little bit of usable vision that just gets me in trouble, uh, you know, at this point. Uh, and uh, I work for a company named SAS. It's a big analytics company, and I work in research and development. And I am at SAS. I am director of accessibility. Uh, within r d that's cool
2: so we have a, a, a bunch of questions here for you today <laughs> um, the first one I'd like to ask is um, when how how long have you have you been visually impaired when did you start to lose your vision
1: I was diagnosed with a degenerative retinal disease uh, when I was 10 years old and lost my vision gradually and you know, I consider myself to have uh, become "quote unquote" blind, even though not totally blind. But somewhere around 2003 is when I had lost enough vision that I um, had just, uh, you know, I couldn't. I started using a cane. Uh, I started learning braille. I started using assistive technology, uh, and. And then uh, you know, at this point, I have light perception. Uh, in some cases, it, it it's not it's pretty good light perception but uh, light and dark, but a very narrow field, and and light perception is what my vision is. Okay, so, um, so
0: tell us kind of about your job and like what access barriers you kind of had.
1: Yeah, well, um, I've been working in this field for. Many many years. Uh, let's see, somewhere on the order of maybe twenty-eight years now. I've been working in the field of computer science, and uh, you know, as I was working uh, in the field, you know, I was I was slowly losing vision. So I would um, my strategy was to adopt uh, you know assistive technology to help me overcome barriers as I encountered them. So around two thousand three is when I started using um, screen readers like JAWS. Voiceover didn't exist at the time. Uh, But um, on iOS at least, but, you know, and of course I use use voiceover on iOS now, but yeah, so I started using text to speech technology and screen readers in in 2003. And, um, and, and around that time I stopped using magnification software and and those kinds of things because it just didn't help anymore. Uh, So there's been just a whole host of of access barriers. And, you know, today I still encounter uh, barriers with various pieces of software or websites that are not. Uh, coded properly to work with a screen reader so uh, that can be a struggle and then uh, there are certain types of information graphical information um certain types of graphical information can always uh, you know always be a challenge because we are still developing technologies that allow us to to look at things like maps and charts and graphs and things like that uh uh, uh digitally but um, that's one of the things we work on at sas is, is the accessibility of that kind of information
0: uh, cool.
2: Oh, when did you get started in uh, programming and computer science? Or like what got you interested in it? I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, Well, back when I went to college, uh, you know, it was it was a long time ago. So, um, I, and I originally went to college as I wanted to be a music major and then I wanted to be a business major. And then I, t- I took a required class in computer science uh, and the professor, and this was a Fortran programming class, that, that's, that'll kind of date me right there, but um, the professor, uh, recruited me to the computer science program and he was, you know, I, I had a knack for programming from the very beginning. Uh, it was just fun and easy and, uh, not a struggle at all. Kind of like math. I always found math to be fun and easy. There was, I, I didn't really, I never learned math. I just kind of, I just said, huh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so it was never a struggle to learn the math. Other things were a struggle for sure. Um, but math and computer science weren't. So my um, Dr. Herbst was his name, uh, Professor Herbst, uh, recruited me over to the School of Computer Science and kind of got bit by the bug at that point and um, and switched my major over to computer science with a minor in math.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, so what programs have you like helped develop to like you know resolve accessibility barriers and things like that?
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've been working on accessibility for the last 10 years, uh, so since 2010. And uh, at SAS, uh, we, we have lots of products. And they're all centered around accessing data and understanding large amounts of data and exploring that data and making better decisions using data. So um, we work on all a whole host of um Applications that are used by scientists and researchers and people uh, in the fields, in various fields of business, uh, whether it be, you know, private industry or government or nonprofit that are they're used by um, in, in all sectors, really, our, our products. So making those products accessible in every way for people with mobility impairments or um, visual impairments or hearing impairments when it comes to our training and our videos, you know, so we work on all of that. Uh, and, but one of the things that um, might be particularly relevant for your listeners, which I assume may have uh, a visual impairment or blindness, uh, is a program that we created called SAS Graphics Accelerator, uh, which turns charts, graphs, and maps into interactive things that you can explore using a keyboard uh, sound, or what we call sonification, and in some cases, a video game controller.
2: Whoa, how did you do that?
1: Well, we have a a wonderful team of people uh, working on accessibility at SAS, many of whom have uh, disabilities of various forms. And we collaborate on uh, creating new technology and applying existing technology in novel ways to help those of us with disabilities, both SAS employees and our, our users with disabilities to help them access data and analytics Uh, better and so as we you know in our in our lab uh, as we uh, create new technology we're always looking around trying to see what tools we could use and we we discovered that the game controllers have some really nice features because they're haptic you know you have a little thumbstick that you can that you feel with your thumb and you can point it in different directions and um, so we, we employ that technology to help us look around and see what's on a digital map and then and then hear the objects on the map.
2: That's really cool. I I think I heard about that somewhere a, mm-hmm. a long time ago. I don't remember where I heard that from, but I, I'm going to look into that. That's really neat.
1: Yeah. Happy to send you a link. And this is, this is new. We just created this last fall and oh. we shipped it in around, I believe, I believe just the beginning of this year. Uh, I think in January oh. is when we shipped this.
2: Cool. What programming languages have you, have you learned?
1: Oh boy, a great many um, over the years. Uh, and um, if 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 you are interested in going into computer science, then you will find that you know every two or three years you got you have to learn the latest fad in programming languages. And sometimes you know you, you, you get the over, over the years you get to work with a great many. So um, let's see. Of course, SAS has its own programming language. It's primarily used to analyze data. Uh, we work with JavaScript. Uh, you know, most everything that we do right now is is in a browser. Uh, so we work a lot with JavaScript. Um, right now. now, let's see, in the past we used to write Flash applications, so I was programming in an ActionScript. And, uh, let's see, before that there was certainly C, C++, Java. I spent some time working in a programming language called Eiffel, which is a really interesting language. Uh, before that, oh boy, uh, we're getting way back now. Uh, Perl, um, and, and then tons of, um, scripting languages, there, like Unix scripting languages. Uh, Going going way back. <laughs>
2: That's really neat. The computer science uh, course is learning Java right now. Um, yep. So Patrick and I are both doing a Java course. Great. A beast semester. We're gonna. I'm. I'm. You know. We're trying to figure out what happens next, but we're doing Java programming for this semester, and it's 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 pretty interesting what you get what you can get yourself into.
1: Yeah, yeah. What, one thing you can do is, is you, you end up spending a lot of time in front of that keyboard, don't you? Trying to trying to figure out how to debug programs and stuff. Oh, for
2: sure. You I've do. I've never had a program that runs on first launch.
0: I have, <laughs> but it runs. It breaks. So usually I get them to run on first launch, but it breaks badly, and it, I've had many infinite loops and other bad things in my day. So.
1: Yes. Yep. Um, Me too.
0: So screen readers or like or braille like which do you prefer for learning yourself since there's computers and everything nowadays like do you still use braille
1: you know i i so i lost my vision later in life and i learned braille later in life and i can read it i just read it incredibly slowly um you know but by that time i was so proficient with um with computer technology obviously i've been using it i would say almost every day since i was uh i don't know 18 years old so um so in my work, am I? I primarily uh, use a screen reader, and I, I read using a screen reader at a very fast rate, probably around 600 words per minute. Yeah, as do uh, I. Yeah, good. That's that's such a, a just a powerful tool to be able to speed up your your um, the rate of your screen reader. It really gives you the ability to you know plow through uh, content really fast. Now, when I'm reading really technical material like like source code, a lot of times I'll slow that down a little bit because you know it's just different. Uh but yeah, for
0: especially if you're debugging because you need to hear every single parenthesis and everything, you know, everything like that. Like on my Mac when I'm generally navigating, I kind I made mine speak at like 120% or so. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, that's kind of off topic a bit, but yeah, I kind I of know. enjoy fast rates too, and I hope I think I feel like I learn a lot better with them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's a superpower. Um, But but I use Braille for, uh, you know, kind of the the life uh, skills kinds of things, you know, labeling my medication and, um, you know, of course, various things like that where I need to label physical artifacts. And, um, you know, I can I can I I use a slate and stylus when I write Braille. (laughs) I'm really old school uh, like that. And I I can you know, I can poke it out, but I'm, I'm pretty slow.
2: Mine is, my my speech is actually uh, admittedly somewhat slow, uh-huh. um, but it's not, you know, it's not absolutely slow, but it's, I mean, compared to Patrick, his is lightning speed and mine is, you know, at a turtle's pace, but I still have mine pretty fast. Uh-huh. So you were involved in a project about uh, something with iBooks. Uh-huh. Um, what, was, what was that about? What did, you, what, what did you get to do with that project? Well,
1: wow, this was many years ago. Um, let's see, this was probably back in 2013 and 2014. Um, we worked with uh, collaborators at the Space Telescope Science Institute, uh, which is the organization that runs the, the Hubble Space Telescope. And we created uh, an iBook for the iPad that was a textbook for astronomy. And it contained some of our early attempts. At, well, first off, it was, it, was, it was created using universal design. Um, and it had nice videos and interviews with uh, scientists, uh, one of which was a winner of a Nobel Prize who, 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 was, who worked at the Space Telescope Science Institute. And it was a nice way to introduce uh, students in middle school to the topic of astronomy. And some of the things that we did inside of the iBook, um, since it was specifically designed for an iPad, we had a touchscreen. So we, that, is, that is one of the first places where we, uh, we, where we shipped our, our, some of our early prototypes and early work on sonification. And uh, for example, enabling people of with blindness to drag their finger across the screen and hear Uh, a bar chart, you know, through musical tones, uh, in addition to verbal speech. So it was kind of unique, um, particularly at that time, the level of accessibility that we created for a science topic in that book. And it was called, um, it's still available in the store. Uh, It's called, uh, but it hasn't been updated in five or six years. It's called uh, Reach for the Stars is the name of the book.
0: Yeah, that's really um, cool. So, like, based on that, like, you seem to have like a interest in science. So, like, has there any other projects you've made, or any other interesting ideas you've had about accessibility and science related stuff?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, well, you know, I, I've done a lot of uh, advisory work um, on, on different projects. Uh, so, for example, there's a there's a wonderful project called Skynet Junior Scholars, which was followed on by another project called iData. Uh, which is a project that created a portal, so that so that students can use robotic telescopes. Um, so these are you know basically you bring this portal up in your web browser, and you can run telescopes, various telescopes around the world, um, just from your browser. And and they're they're robotic, so you can kind of type in the parameters and you say go, and and the the robotic part of the telescope makes it go off and do it with no human intervention. Um, so the big part of that was, of course, the accessibility and the, and the accessibility of the astronomical data uh, that, that comes uh, in from the telescope, you know, the, the, the data from the telescope. So um, I wasn't quite hands-on with that project, but I, I was an advisor, and there's a number of other projects like that where I've, where I've advised. Um, and right now, um, outside of SAS, uh, I'm on the advisory board for the North Carolina Museum of natural sciences, which is uh, one of the most visited, uh, actually, actually the most visited science museum uh, in the southeastern United States. It's the museum's only about uh, seven or eight miles from my house. Uh, but I, I was going to that museum when I was a kid, when I was getting excited about science back then. And and uh, we have collaborated on a, a number of projects over the years. And um, and now I'm on the advisory board. But there is one project. That we're working on with the museum, you might be interested in right now. It's called the STEM Career Showcase for students with disabilities. It's an annual event where we recruit uh, people with various disabilities uh, that are working in STEM fields, and they during the event, uh, students with disabilities have a chance to hear about their career and their science or their technology, whatever it is they do, uh, as well as how they've overcome the challenges related to a particular disability. And that event is hosted by the museum. It's coming up. It's going to be November 17th uh, at one o'clock. It's all virtual. So you guys can join in and I would love for you to join us. Registration is required. So uh, if, you want to, if you want to join in, go to naturalsciences.org slash STEM, S-T-E-M, naturalsciences.org slash STEM. And I hope you guys can join us
0: Yeah. I'm going to have to see about that.
1: Definitely. I'm really interested.
2: I'm going to look at my schedule and see what's, um, what's going on that day. Cause I would, I'd like to join too. That sounds really cool. I hope you do. Yeah. So do you primarily uh, um, release products for students or like, and what age range do you usually are your products designed for? And and why is it that way?
1: Yeah. Well, the majority of Products that we release at SAS are for professionals who are uh, professional scientists or researchers or or people who are in business that need to analyze data, uh, data scientists or statisticians. Um, so that's major- the vast majority of it. But of course, we've been in business for forty-four years, very long time since nineteen seventy-six. So you know, these you guys, the students of today, pretty quickly you are going to be out. In the career, with a career and and working, uh, and starting your careers. So, uh, as as I've worked on accessibility over the years, um, I I realized that it's it's um, we have an opportunity to introduce new technologies for students of all abilities, but students with disabilities in particular, um, when they're in school. And then as they learn technologies, if they can learn those technologies that are accessible and take them with them from high school to college, now they have accessible tools and and then add on additional skills there, then they can be successful in careers. So so SAS has a lot of we do a lot of work in order to make software uh, freely available for students, both in college and in K 12, so that they can build those, those, you know, science and math skills. Uh, and, and uh, analytical skills uh, that they're going to need in order to, you know, just hit the ground running uh, in this this knowledge and, and data-driven uh, economy that we work in now.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So um, I heard you had, like, internship, internships at SAS. Uh, how would you, like, go about applying for that?
1: Oh, we do do Well, there's, we have a website, uh, www.sas.com, and that's uh, dot com. And on that site, I don't know what, if you go to the main site, I think there's a careers tab and uh, there are internships available. I think we, we have hundreds of interns uh, every year. Um, I have one on my team now, uh, One of, he's a PhD student. He's just wrapping up his PhD at uh, NC State University. And, uh, but yeah, if you go there, go to sas.com and look at the careers page, you can apply for internships right now. We have, we have, in, we are in the process of hiring interns right now.
2: Wow. That's Is, awesome. Does the SAS have multiple locations?
1: We do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are a global company. And so we have, oh goodness. I think we have offices in something like 80 countries around the world. Um, not all of those are many of those are sales offices, but we also have, um, four r d centers there's one in here where i am in in cary north carolina uh there is one in scotland there is one in pune india and there's one in beijing china so you can pretty much count on at any point in time any time of any day there's somebody at SAS writing code (laughs) that's a
2: lot of people man yeah (laughs) that's a lot of people So, so, so you, how long have you been working at SAS?
1: I started at SAS as an intern. Uh, I was 17 years old, 1988. And, uh, I, I literally started in the mailroom as an intern. Um, and, uh, went to college, came back and was recruited, uh, back to SAS when I finished, uh, my degrees in 1994.
2: Oh, wow. So you've been here for a while.
1: Been around, yeah, yeah. I know I sound young, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> so, what is your favorite project that you've helped work on or that you've developed?
1: Oh boy, oh, let me think about that one. Well, there's 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 a lot. Um, I I'll, I'll, you know I think the common theme is uh, I really get a charge out of creating something new that people enjoy using. You know that that gives them power and ability to do things they couldn't do before. So you know that that, that's really the thing that 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 I that I seek to do um, that gives me fulfillment. And um, you know, for the last, like I said, for the last ten years, I've been working on accessibility, and that is just obviously it hits close to home because uh, as a person with blindness, you know, I I am face I face all the. Challenges that people with blindness face when it comes to access in all forms. Um so you know, to make a small contribution to to um to removing some of those barriers is is a, is a really fun and I would say just specifically um this 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 free product that we've developed called SAS Graphics Accelerator. We originally shipped it in uh in early 2017. And um and of course we've been working hard to to expand the capabilities of it and we've got all kinds of charts and graphs and we just added maps like i said earlier this year um it's it's just it's it's a whole ton of fun i mean it's, it's just amazing to be able to do it it's great people to work with uh we see the impact that it's having uh, with both students and professionals with blindness because they can they can access data in ways they couldn't do before and, and yeah it's just it's just a lot of fun
0: um yeah that's awesome so uh, considering that there are a lot of students our age listening to this podcast do you have any advice that you would give to them for like coding getting into coding or computer science or anything like that
1: sure, you bet yeah get started um and you know uh, and and be you know stick with it because it can be it can be a little challenging at first especially to get started with it um you know so don't don't let it scare you off i think um i think though that some of the some of the easily most easily accessible things you can do right now is, is JavaScript programming with a browser you know it's, it's it's free and it's easy to do and there's just so many great resources out there if you if you Google you know getting started with JavaScript or something like that all you need is you know a simple editor and, and a web browser like Google Chrome and you can get started um, you know starting starting to play around with computer science and creating some fun things to play with and uh, and of course hopefully, um, i recommend everybody try to do a minor in computer science because even if you don't want to write code for a living the the critical thinking and problem-solving skills that you learn uh, in formal computer science training is going to give you um, a tremendous advantage uh, out in, in the workforce just it'll help you uh, solve problems in, in a structured way there's there, there's no you know, there's no substitute for that so you can get started on your own wherever you are whoever you are you can get started you know with javascript or java of course java is free as well um, really easy to do that and then you know consider as you move on to college consider uh, some formal you know a formal um, a double major or a major or, or maybe a minor in computer science so you get some some good formal theory underneath your belt
0: yeah, Python is also a good language to get started with. If you, as well, as well as you know, Java, JS, all those types of languages, Python is another good one. that I actually, I do like. I'm I'm trying to learn it.
2: I enjoy I enjoy what I've been learning so far in Java. One of the yeah. things for me though too is is I don't see myself coding um, as like a like for a living or or for you know I just don't see myself as like a you know as like a, a lifelong coder. No. But I do it. I do enjoy the computer science classes for the problem solving skills that I'm getting.
1: That's right. Good for you.
2: You know, I think if I didn't have these, if I didn't take this class that I'm doing now through the TEALS program at Microsoft, I don't think I would be able to think as critically in other classes and other things that I would like to do as I, you know, if, if I hadn't taken this class, you know.
1: Great. I'm glad okay. to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. patrick i agree with you yeah python is also thank you for mentioning that i failed to mention that that's also a great way to get started for sure and there's lots of great resources online about that about python
0: all right how are we doing on time we have it's 301
2: 301 okay um do you have any questions for us and what we what we're doing
1: I would love to hear more about this, this Java uh, class that you're in as, with Microsoft. Tell me more about that.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, to find more information on the Java course in detail, um, episode nine has a, a host of volunteers from the Teal's Microsoft philanthrop- Philanthropies Group uh-huh. um, that, that came on board after we did the first pilot program. But essentially... They are a group of volunteers from the the TILS program at Microsoft who join us via Zoom, and they um, <clears throat> they teach us, you know, an introductory course for Java, and um, we're learning. You know, at this stage, we're taking a test uh, today on for loops, nested for loops, uh, variables, um, and different types of variables and scope. Types. And scope, yes. Mm-hmm. So we're um, there's usually five volunteers, but like two, two or three at a time, and they rotate out. And they, you know, they 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 put the coding, they give us coding terms, and they put it into real life examples that we would definitely understand. That's fun. Yeah, so it's it's yeah. really nice. It's it's also an AP course, so if you took the full year, you could take the AP test and get some college
0: credits off your back.
1: You bet! Wow, wow, that's great.
0: Yeah, you have anything else to add about it, Patrick? Um, I guess I can just say, just to say, it, it's a really good course so far. And like, although like the first chapter was a bit skittish for me, like way skittish for me, we won't talk about yeah. that. Uh, it was, It's really fun. Um, I think the reason the first chapter was a bit annoying for me was because it was sort of a step down, because I kind of tried to learn a few basic things like that. And so it was sort of a step down for me and it got really hard, but that's also because um, I don't know, actually, maybe because I didn't think the way they did. And so it got a bit confusing, but now that we're up to four loops and everything, I'm pretty much flying through it. Through yeah, it.
2: me too. Because I, t- so I took, <laughs> I took this last year um, as part of the semester, like as one of the semester courses. And Mr. Taylor can tell you that I, I worked myself to death. <laughs> the accessibility kinks all sorted out and, you know, uh, just just helping helping them realize that hey, you can have us print ASCII art all you want. We're just not going to be able to see it. Yes. Um, yeah, think,
0: ASCII art's wonderful. Yeah, it's
2: a yeah. really it's a really good program. Uh, I mm-hmm. I was kind of the same way with Patrick at Chapter One uh, because I'd already done the um the, that those few sections uh, that this past semester. So, uh, but once we got to chapter two and we're moving on to chapter three next week, it's, it's going to be really exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with yeah. how this is shaping out. And it's, it's, uh, it's, really, it's a really important course,
0: I think. That's great. Yeah, I must clarify yeah. that some of the, we are, it's an off, on and off campus type thing. So we are online. There's a student offline. Okay. Or well, qualification.
2: Well, uh, well, <laughs> well, off well, campus. Patrick <laughs> and on campus gotcha um but yeah that's that's our program and it just started um, when did it start mr taylor last year year before it's still our testing phase was last fall and then we actually started last spring yep that's correct yep and i did all of it Uh, (laughs) i've done the past year and a half yeah the trouble yeah yeah
1: yeah thanks for doing that
0: yeah yeah
1: really cool um so yeah anything else I think that's it. Well, uh, so I, I noticed you're on, on podcast number 13. Today's 13, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. So you've been, is this a weekly, uh, weekly recording it's session? It's
0: mostly weekly podcast. Like sometimes issues arise where we can't do one for a week or there's not a guest for that week or something, but basically it's supposed to be a weekly podcast. Uh, yeah. There's an intro to podcasting group where they do kind of intro-ish stuff.
2: They helped um, us write questions that we were... Yeah, they helped one.
0: us with questions. Yep. Yeah.
2: Great. and uh, well, yeah so that's there you go
1: yeah we just doing a great job stick with it yeah i think getting past number 10 a little bit that i've read about podcasting it's so easy just to do a few and then stop but you're you're up to number 13 and that's that's yeah. an achievement Good for hey, you. I, I saw it as an accomplishment that we got to episode three <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. no me too oh, episode <laughs> two was an absolute nightmare not yeah. because of the people but because we, we thought that we needed to audio edit everything Right. So me and Rich spent oh, yeah. six hours editing each thing because we're kind of both professionalists when it comes to audio. Yeah. So uh, that was fun.
2: Yeah. But now we're, you know, we're getting a groove and um, um, we're, we're, getting, we're getting things off the ground. So one thing I have to ask is where can the SAS graphics accelerator be located? Where, where can we find it?
1: Right. Well, if if you bring up your favorite search browser, search engine on the web, and type in SAS SAS space Graphics Accelerator, an accelerator is like you know the thing you press down with your foot in a car when you drive a car uh, to accelerate. Uh, you should get a a hit. To the, the top hit should be uh, a link to the Chrome Web Store. So SAS Graphics Accelerator. Is a Chrome extension. It's free, and with that, you know, extensions for for Chrome are kind of like apps for your iPhone. You know, they, they just kind of you install you install them into your browser, uh, and when you do that, uh, you well, first off, when you find the the link to SAS Graphic Accelerator in the Chrome Web Store, uh, there's a little intro video there for it, of course, as well, and um, and you can install it in. Chrome, and then the other link I want to give you is to the SAS Disability Support Center, which, at that, uh, at, at this link, it's support.sas.com/accessibility. support.sas.com/accessibility. Uh, at the SAS Disability Support Center, uh, you can find great information about SAS Graphics Accelerator. Some webinars there. Uh, there's a link to a library of maps. That has been recently created by uh, the Perkins School for the Blind, specifically the Paths to Technology uh, group there, Paths to Technology website. Uh, And they've created, and SAS has helped with this. Some of our interns at SAS last summer helped uh, create about 35 maps of college campuses. These are accessible uh, digital non-visual maps that you can explore using SAS Graphics Accelerator. And then, of course, there's the, Capitals of every state. I think they have there now, and there's all the lighthouses in North Carolina and California, and uh, you know just lots of different maps are being created. It's a crowdsourced library of maps, so um, you can um, you know go there and access those those maps to your heart's content explore them using the SAS Graphics And and at that site as well, the Paza Technology site, uh, there's a whole host of uh, blog posts, both for uh, students with visual impairments and also uh, orientation and mobility instructors and teachers of the visually impaired that help you get up and running with SAS Graphics Accelerator to either, you know, analyze stock market data or, you know, look at a map of, of a college campus.
0: That is crazy. Cool. That's crazy. And also I found that uh, site by hitting it on Google in about 10 seconds Great. from Great. typing to finding it because yeah.
2: So is there a way that we can donate to the Graphics Accelerator project or any other projects?
1: Well, you know, the place I would route you to is Pass to Technology, the Perkins Pass to Technology website. And that's a place where um, you can uh, work with, with teachers or whomever or orientation mobility instructors to create, for example, new maps. And if you, you know, if you get up from money or if you learn any, any kind of trick or tool that helps you do something as a student with blindness, um, you can go there and blog as a student. Ooh. Yeah. Um, It's a great opportunity, great, good way to build your resume. Right. And, um, and uh, yeah, so there's a, the the person that runs that site, her name is Diane Bronner. And, um, and you can, you can, there's an an email link there on the Perkins paths to technology website where you can contact Mrs. Bronner to learn more information about all of that.
2: Sounds good to me. That is
1: great. Yeah.
2: Well, thank you very much for joining the podcast today. It's, yeah, thank I, you. Yeah, I've really enjoyed. I've really enjoyed the insight that you've given us.
1: Well, I've joined. I've enjoyed it as well, and I learned something about the Microsoft Teals um, class. I'll I'll share that with yep. others that I talk to in the future. Yeah, yeah, that's cool.
0: And since we have a bit of time left, I can say uh, you can follow us on social media. Um, our Twitter and Instagram is at KSSB Podcast. So that would be Kilo Sierra Sierra Bravo Podcast, all one word, uh, no capitals, and get updates on when new podcasts go live or hiatuses or anything related to the podcast you need to know.
2: Yep. And um, is there a place where we can contact you or uh, SAS?
1: You bet. You can always contact uh, me at uh, an email address called accessibility at sas.com. Accessibility at sugarapplesugar.com.
2: Sounds great. Once again, thank you for joining the podcast today. And uh, we should have this posted pretty soon.
1: Yep, definitely. That sounds great.
0: Thank you.
2: Thanks.